sound. That sound. That sound means it's another episode of Philanthropy in Focus. Your boy Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector. And every single week, I bring to you another leader of another nonprofit organization. And we do several things. We get to meet the leader. We get to learn about the organization. And then I help the leader tell their story and amplify their message. And if you know anything about your boy, I had a friend of mine listen to this show last week and he goes, your boy, Tommy D, your boy, Tommy D. Yes, your boy, Tommy D. If you know anything about me, you know how important the nonprofit sector is to me. You know how important the nonprofit sector is to us in community and in our society. And nonprofits change our world, as I say it, only every moment of every hour of every day. And that's who's on the front lines. That's who's delivering the services. It isn't just a leader. And I know my guest, Steve Chasman, is going to tell me it's not about me, Tommy D, only. It's about my team. I understand that. But I only have a small attic, and I do the show from the attic. And that's, I don't have a lot of room to have the whole team in the attic. I can only have the leader in the attic. And if you don't get the joke by now, for uh, for three years now, I've been up in the attic, and that's where Philanthropy and Focus started. So I go up from the kitchen, two flights up to my attic, and I do this show, Philanthropy and Focus. Every single Friday morning, I bring you another edition, another leader of another nonprofit organization. I'm fired up. I'm passionate. But I will tell you this. Earlier in the week, I spoke to today's guest, and I couldn't believe how fired up he was. And then I got even more fired up in that conversation. I was like, Steve, there's going to be a lot of energy on the program today, and I, I know that there is. Before we get into the program, before we get into today's conversation, I just want to say we decided this year, I decided this year in collaboration with our agency, Vanguard Benefits, that each month we will feature a nonprofit relevant to an awareness month, to a, to a designation, to a month that we reflect upon, or rather to a focus that we reflect upon. And this month it's around alcoholism and alcohol abuse and alcohol dependency. So you'll see us doing the show today here on Philanthropy and Focus, but you're going to see a lot out there on social media about Vanguard benefits and how employers, because we do employee benefits, but how employers and how carriers, health insurance carriers, really treat these challenges when it comes to individuals that are going through these, these sort of challenges and obstacles in their lives. So more to come on all that. Follow us, Vanguard benefits on LinkedIn, on, uh, on Facebook, and always follow Tommy D on, uh, Instagram on Facebook on LinkedIn, but follow me, Tommy D.NYC on Instagram, especially because we're putting a lot of cool stuff out there. All right, without further ado, Steve Chasman, LCSW, CASAC, former clinical director of LICAD and the now executive director of LICAD. What's LICAD, Tommy D? You might say, well, it's a Long Island Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence. Steve, good morning. How are you? What's going on? Good morning, Tommy. I really appreciate you hosting us on the show. And today's about LICAD, but hosting a show that really focuses on not-for-profits because, for, you know, for 100 years, not-for-profit mission-driven agencies have been, uh, have been helping millions of Americans every year. And you know, I think in the post-COVID world, I'm certainly at the height of uh, uh, substance use, mental health, pandemics, nonprofits, community, that, and I've learned as I get older to take the gratitude and appreciation as it's given. So I, I do say I acknowledge the importance of what I'm doing here. So thank you for recognizing it and for saying that. Uh, I, I believe it's it's critically important that we shine a light on the nonprofit sector, and that's what I'm doing in, in a little part. You know, uh, the Long Island Imagine Awards comes up in two weeks. I was on a call just earlier this week about the Imagine Awards and 
you know, that's a lot of what I do. I think some of it has rubbed off from Ken Serini, who founded the Imagine Awards here on Long Island, to really have that focus on the sector. So thanks for bringing it up and thanks for acknowledging it. So I, I you know, I just share this and I've shared this on the show before, and I think it's only appropriate. Um, uh, 13 years ago, almost in September will be 13 years. Uh, September 21st, 2010 was the last time I had a drink of alcohol. And I was 32 years old at the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I say that, you know, because it is a big accomplishment, but I say that to be somewhat inspirational for people. You know what? That ain't the easiest thing to do. That's for sure. And it is a one day at a time situation. So I would share that just out to the masses. You know what? I was concerned. Would I still be Tommy D if I stopped drinking? Because I had roped a lot of that into that part of my life. But um, I think, you know, everybody would agree. (laughs) I'm still Tommy D. So I, I think it's important to acknowledge that because I know it's a big part of what we're going to talk about today, not about me, but just about that one day at a time. I mean, even when I said to you the other day, Steve, I said, you know, I have a colleague who we were in business together and he said his son is now, um, he's not drinking now. And I, I kind of did a check in. How's, how's your son doing? He goes, you know how it is, Tommy D, one day at a time. And I certainly do know how it is. So we're going to leave that there because it's not to be self-serving. It's really just to make an awareness that, you know, there are many of us who are in the battles fighting on a regular basis from whether it be on a mental health side of things or certainly from the, um, the, uh, the, the addiction piece. So let's leave that there. Steve, let's dive into this conversation. I really want to get to know you. I want to get to know the organization. I want to talk about impact what the organization's done. And then ultimately, as I said to you, you know, how do we help? How can we help? You know, and, and I think it may, some of that might be around, hey, Tommy D, you know what? Not enough people know about the great work that we've been doing for the last 66 years. So that's the kind of stuff I want to talk about. So yeah. if it's okay with you, start us off. I know you've been in the work, in the social work for a, a long time yourself. T- tell us that story if you could. Well, before we get to me and my and like it here, I want to commend you for, um, you know, for self-identifying as someone in recovery. There are 30 million men living in long-term sustained recovery from what is a bona fide psychiatric condition called substance use disorder. Uh, unfortunately, in the addictive climate of our times, where 2021 and 2022 were the most tragic years in American history for substance-related fatality, whether it was opioid or fentanyl overdose, whether it was alcohol-related fatality, uh, alcohol remains the most lethal drug in America, but as we support people in, in recovery, and that's what Lighthead's mission has been, individuals and family getting on the road to recover their health and their physical and vocational and financial wellness, uh, the miracle of recovery becomes null and void if you die of a fatal overdose. And right now, right now, even though we were founded in 1956, there was no such word as fentanyl back then. Right. Uh, I've been around the drug scene my whole life. I'm a Long Islander. I lived in, uh, you know, lower Manhattan a lot of years and I'll segue. But, you know, I've been around drugs my whole life. And I don't say that as a judgment. They're just unfortunately always been an intricate part of American history. So we need to acknowledge what it is. Uh, but fentanyl, xylazine, better known as Trank today. Uh, there are drugs out there that have infiltrated the drug supply that is not killing long-term substance users. It's one and done. It's one pill can kill. And that puts a whole generation of young Americans, adolescents, and young adults at risk. And according to the Centers for Disease Control 2022, not five years ago, not 10, last year was the most tragic year in American history for substance-related fatality. So LICAD, founded in 1956, we certainly have our work cut out for us. So 
you know, again, I, I commend you for it is time to stand up and be counted that there is uh, a stigma that has always revolved around alcohol or substance related dependence. And we need to remove that stigma. You know, uh, people are sick with diabetes. People are sick with heart disease. Uh, people are sick with depression. Um, we need to provide the same attention and resources uh, to people with substance use disorders. And I understand the root of the stigma. The root of the stigma is people do it to themselves. Right. Yeah, you know what? All human beings do it to themselves. And that's because we're all fallible. Yeah. You know, ask the EMT that walks into a house. Uh, there's a pack of Marlboros and a T-bone steak. If he's having heart disease, do they question his ethics because he has heart disease? Uh, we're all human beings. We're all fallible. And uh, this takes me back to the roots of my social work. And as you said, I've been in human service for over 30 years without uh, self-identifying too much. Um, I'm north of 50 years old. I went to college in lower Manhattan in the late 80s, early 90s. And there was another public health crisis that was raging. And it was called HIV and AIDS. Uh, and listen, because of sex or substance use, people wanted to blame other people for transmitting this virus too. And it wasn't treated as a public health issue. It was treated as a moral and ethical issue because people are having sex, people are using drugs, and somehow the U.S. government wanted to place blame on certain populations for uh, the inception and the transmission of this virus, which is utterly ridiculous. Yeah. So um, I got involved because it was not a public health issue. It became a human rights issue. And I think a lot of the stigma that surrounded HIV and AIDS then, and was so grateful in 1996, protease inhibitors came out, that pandemic got better to the point where for a lot of people, HIV and AIDS is a chronic illness being treated. But that stigma remains around substance use or injection drug use or alcohol dependence. And uh, we tend to want to cast out judgment in this country. Uh, the truth is human beings are all fallible. And we know this coming out of what we just came out of. I mean, it was three years ago this month, New York State was shut down. You couldn't go to work. You couldn't go to church or temple or mosque. You couldn't go to school, yeah. but you couldn't go to a liquor yeah. store. So um, there's a lot of dichotomy that happens today. I think for 50 years, and I'll stop after this, uh, Tom, um, I think we've been trying to incarcerate our way out of the substance use issue. The agents have never been more painted on how we address illness as an individual family and societal disease. Wow. I mean, listen, thank you for just, you're, you know, you're direct, you're, you're, you're candid, and I appreciate that because this is the conversation we need to have about these topics. And I think very, very often the mental health conversation is not very often historically the stigma is there when it comes to mental health as the stigma is there as we're talking about addiction you know and uh when we talk about this substance use disorder i think in terms of you know it wasn't treated as a disease it wasn't treated as a disorder it was treated as to look at this you know I, i'm not even going to use this vernacular about how they would refer to the guy on the street who's inebriated and just laying on the street or whatever you know there's a there's an issue there there's underlying issue and and you know from from a perspective of human services can you speak a little bit steve about the the connection between the mental health conversation and the prescribing yourself not you but us generally prescri prescribing ourselves you know the, the to feel better to fill that hole that sort of thing if you will well the term is called self-medication right. uh human beings when they're in great periods of discomfort both externally or internally 
Uh, we seek out comfort. People do it with mind and mood altering substances, alcohol being America's most lethal and one of the legal drugs, yeah. right? People do it with food, emotionally eating. People do it with sex, and actually, people do it with seeing all their cells. People do it with their social media. We see in the Tennessee or in the past little behaviors. The truth is, I'm not correcting Tom, but let, let me be absolutely clear. Steve Chasman doesn't say so. There's a book in my field as a clinical social worker or a psychiatry or psychology called the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. It's on my shelf right here. Yep. We're in the fifth edition. It's put out by the American Psychiatric Association. Everything that afflicts the human mind is in there from depression to general anxiety disorder to post-traumatic stress. There's a whole chapter on substance-related disorders. So why do I say this? Um, the person running down Sunrise Highway or Merrick Road or Montauk Highway or Veterans Highway at four in the morning in their underwear to sell stolen laptop computers for their drug of choice is not in their right, his or her state of mind. They're in the throes of a psychiatric illness and like all illnesses from diabetes to heart disease, get progressively worse left untreated. LICAD's uh, mission is to engage individuals and families and help them get to a road where treatment is possible, whether you have resources or not. And we know healthcare in America has its own challenges. Mm -hmm. Our job is to overcome those challenges. If you're sick in America, we believe spiritually, professionally, you have the right to get well. If you're sick in America, LICAD believes you have the right to get well. If I That's a basic human right. I agree 100%. And that, and I've, I've said, you know, kind of in as a, you know, just to give people a visual, if I leave the attic after Steve and I have this conversation and I trip and I break my arm and I go to the urgent care and they say, you know what, Tommy D, you should really go over to Northwell and, and get yourself checked out, go to the ED, go to the emergency department, whatever, whatever it is. You know, somebody might give me a hard time and say, Tommy, do you watch how you walk down the stairs? Or maybe you shouldn't leave so much on the stairs of the attic. But I'm not going to be shamed for the fact that I have a broken arm and I'm seeking medical care and medical attention. We have treated the psychiatric condition and these conversations around mental health. I like the word mental health more than mental illness. And maybe I'm yes, just I agree with you. But OK, but I feel like maybe some people might think I'm whitewashing the fence and maybe, but I like it better because it's about mental health. It's about being better, getting better and servicing folks with what they need. But why, Steve? And I'm not, it's this is more like, I'm just throwing this out there as a question, but like, why historically do we not have this conversation around someone's having trouble mentally? We fix them, we help them, we maybe not fix, support them, we give them what they need. I feel like I'm up on my soapbox. You know why, folks? Because I freaking am, because I'm tired of the fact that this is a thing where we have to have stigma around this. I fight my own demons, my own battle every single day. I think we all do. And I think the more we call it out, and that's why I come up on here and tell you I don't drink anymore. That's why I tell you I got the ADHD. That's why I tell you I fight these demons myself. Because I think if I tell you that, then we know we all do, and it's something we need to support each other. Steve, anything before we go to a quick break on that stuff? Uh, yeah, I, listen, we've never dealt with uh, mental health well in America at all. In fact, we could talk about this after the break. Yeah. Long Island, you're standing in the epicenter for the last hundred years of what mental health was. Pilgrim State Hospital, Kings Park, Central Islip. If you were sick in the metropolitan area with uh, a disease of mind and psychology is a new science, you were transported to Pilgrim State Hospital. You were signed in and you spent the rest of your natural born days under very little care of nine psychiatrists for 200,000 people. So we are first revolutionizing how as a society we can address, treat and support 
people with, as you said, mental health issues. Yeah. And, and you know what I think is a big thing, and we are going to go to a quick break, but what I think is a big thing for us too is as the quote-unquote celebrities, the people who are on the big screens, the people who are in the Olympics, Simone Biles, when she stepped down because she was having a mental health challenge there, when these people put it pointed out to us, I think uh, – if I'm not mistaken, Michael Phelps has come out, the swimmer, the Olympic swimmer, and, and said, you know, he, we, we know he uses marijuana, and he said he's used that, and it helps him dealing with his own battles. And I, Mr. Phelps, if you're listening, I apologize if I'm getting any of this incorrect. But the point of shining a light on this is it takes us to have this conversation. It's got to be in the day-to-day vernacular. It's got to be what we're talking about. And that's a lot of what philanthropy and focus is about. And talk about a focus. We're going to focus on going to a quick commercial break and come right back. Lycat, Tommy D, philanthropy in focus. Steve Chasman, right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics in the minds of SMEs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talk.audio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to re-evaluation of consciousness? Or I'm Sam Liebig, consult from my show, Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. That's what we do. We cut through all that static. Join me in the attic. I want to just shout out licensed clinical social worker, well-versed in the treatment modalities for mental health conditions and substance-related disorders. Steve Chasman is with us today. We are diving in deep. I knew this was going to be a fired-up conversation. And where? Just getting warmed up. I got, I'm checking out the website. So go to the website, gang, lycad.org. I'll spell out lycad for you. L-I-C-A-D-D.org. We'll share it on Facebook. You know, when the organization was founded in 1956, this was, even AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, was only 21 years old. We're talking 1956, 66, 67 years ago, right? Not a long time ago. And it was, it says here that society's consensus was that alcoholism was a moral issue, an issue of willpower. 
and not a treatable disease. So if you define something one way, well, then the treatment or lack of treatment is for that thing that you've defined it. But as we evolve and we do consider addiction in the DSM, shout out the DSM again, Steve. What's, what is it? The Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. It is put out by the American Psychiatric Association and for better or worse, for clinical social work, psychology, or psychiatry, it is considered the Bible of mental health. Right so everything that afflicts the mind is in there. And Tom, I'm glad you're referencing our website. I mean, we're very rich in a history. We've been yeah. servicing Nassau and Suffolk County since the 1950s. And in our mission statement, we talk about the addictive climate of our time. So, you know, this is not the first narcotic uh, a, a pandemic we've seen. There was one in the 70s to a heroin crisis. There was one in the 50s and 60s. This is the not the first cocaine or amphetamine crisis we've right. seen. There was a cocaine epidemic in the early 70s and the late 70s, of course, the crack epidemic of the 80s. So LICAD is able to remain. And this is, you know, you talk about philanthropy. Although we do get some government support as a not-for-profit, it is the wisdom of the board of directors and the staff and this executive director. We don't want to be too contingent on government money. You know why? Because the addictive climate of our times changes. Mm. And we don't like, and I'll say this as transparent as I can, we don't like the government telling us what to do. Yeah. Because the government historically has not been kind to substance users. Their way of dealing with the disease of substance use disorder has been to incarcerate, incarcerate, incarcerate. Yeah. So it has been the methodology of LICAD for 67 years to raise most of our money privately. This is exhibited 11 years ago when we saw the onset of this opioid crisis. Uh, we went into the city and we got trained in a drug called naloxone, which brings people out of near fatal overdose. Back then in 2009, it was an intramuscular injection. I'm going to say this the only way I know how. We brought it to Long Island. It took a lot of crap for it. Yeah. You're giving needles to who? We're trying to prevent fatal overdose. And we stood in front of the tide in trying to implement harm reduction strategies. Cut to last year, there were 1,500 lives saved. And every police officer in Nassau and Suffolk County carries naloxone. We I'm to- not saying thank LICAD for that. Well, I what am. I'm saying is we're trying to preserve life. Go All ahead. Right, I, I'm going to stop and I'm going to say we. I I'm going to say thank LICAD because maybe you can't say that because you're the executive director, but I'm the nonprofit sector connector and I can do pretty much whatever I want, Steve. And I'm going to say thank you. That's 1,500 lives that are saved, that are still here, that are now con- that are continue to be contributing members. Those are mothers, those are fathers, those are daughters, maybe their grandfathers. Absolutely, those right. are people that are contributing that would not be here if they were not supported in the way that they need. Now, if we say things like, and I'm just going to use stupid vernacular to people, that those are junkies or whatever we would say, well, guess what? We're writing people in Milwaukee and we're not giving them the support. Now, listen, folks, if every time you made a mistake, somebody said, just threw you away and didn't give us a read, we wouldn't because we need to do that. Six years ago, when we saw this concept of the natural drug, I had to sell out mortality, but... We had some exhibit A's right here on Long Island where working class kids in the summer, right? They bought some cocaine after work. It was laced with fentanyl and all six of them passed away here right on Long Island two summers ago. So America's in a weird place where you're buying cocaine, but you die of an opioid analog. This is not an overdose. This is a poisoning. So six years ago when we, and there's a difference. Yeah. If I buy Xanax. Tell me about that. Let's, let's break that apart for people. Because again, you and I are just like, we're in this thing. We're talking about it, but let's break that out. Because for those who don't know, and I'm not saying like innocent bystander, but those, 
the, the casual person is going to yeah. go, that person died of an overdose. Well, had they just been, and let's not break apart the pieces here, but had it just been what they thought they were getting in their body, they're here. It was laced with some other garbage that, you know, again, I almost feel like we're allowing for people to do certain things. So I feel like there's this tightrope that I'm walking down right yes, now. I understand, but that's that's part of the stigma, which you and I know well. But the truth is, um, substance users are not actively suicidal. I'm a licensed clinician in New York State. If someone comes into my office and says, I'm depressed, I'm going to end my life, and I have a rope in the car, I'm a mandated reporter in New York State. The person, God forbid, taking a fatal, fatal overdose in some coffee shop's bathroom right now, God forbid, is not actively suicidal. They're ironically trying to feel better. But when we talk about fentanyl infiltrating the national drug supply, not just the heroin and the press pills, but if I'm buying a Xanax from a friend to try to alleviate my anxiety and I die of a fentanyl overdose, that is not done for. That is not me taking too much drink. So it is great relief to know that I've been working in substance use for 30 years. Substance users, for the most part, are not actively trying to end their lives. Ironically, they're trying to feel better. Remember, opioids were created for pain. Not just physical pain, but what else do they anesthetize? Emotional pain. So ICAD, in the onset of the fentanyl crisis... We called and we ordered 10,000 fentanyl test strips that we started distributing to active users. And we talk a lot of crap for that, too. Why? Because we're trying to preserve life. Right. But the other counter argument. So so just so we can not that they're right, but the counter argument is, I guess, well, okay, Lycad, now you're enabling drug use. Right. Like that would be where somebody could argue against what you're doing. Right. You and I are in the know. So now if. So let's say somebody is going to use another substance. They have these, it's a test strip. You said they're now testing to make sure whatever they're, whatever they have does not have fentanyl in it. That's the, that's your, that's the point, right? That's the perspective from where you're coming from. So it's not an enabling thing. It's a protection thing. And enabling is a key word um, because we're not enabling. Enabling would mean we're fostering their substance use. There, you, It's like in the 80s. It's like all over again. Like people shouldn't be having sex that way. Right. That has nothing to do with public health. Right. But people are having sex that way. People are using drugs. And we need to treat this void of moral and ethical judgment as the public health crisis it is. Do you know what, what, do you know what 107,000 Americans overdosing or being poisoned in the last 12 months is? That's a jumbo jetliner of 300 passengers crashing every day for 365 days. Do the math on that. So could you imagine if 600 Americans, two plane crashes in two days, they would ground every plane and say, we got a problem with the airlines, people. But no, it's amazing we've done so little so far. But these are, again, these are, well, because, and maybe the wise little solo has been done because they, they're on the outliers. They, it's, they, they were, you know, the story could be told their users or whatever the case may be. When to your point, these people were, they were poisoned, right? Yes, of course. That, that's the, and that's that, a great relief to family too. When, hey, he was trying to buy Xanax, but he, he was poisoned by fentanyl. Uh, you know, it's a relief, not that their family passed, but that they weren't tra- actively trying to end their life. This is the great tragedy of it all. This is the public health poisoning crisis that the DEA, that LICAD, that Nassau and Suffolk County Police are trying to stop. And we have partnerships with all. Uh, and it's it's a tragic day. And listen, when we talk about we all do it to ourselves, I mean, you're dealing with pediatric diabetes. 
we don't shut down McDonald's, right. you know, right. everyone gets to make their own choice. By the way, they're talking about public health crises, but they legalize another widely abused substance in marijuana. Yeah. Uh, they know gambling is a very difficult obsession and compulsion, but online gambling was expanded in New York State. So I, I you know, let's that. not count on our government for yeah. great support. No, no. And again, well, listen, listen, let's do this. I mean, I. Where, why do they do these things? Because the lobbying bodies, I, I t- talked about that one sec, but the lobbying bodies and you know what? Look, I got to be honest, man. I'm going to just go up there on my soapbox again. Here it goes. But this gambling situation, having grown up in the bar and restaurant business, really the bar business, to be honest with you, I was 16, 17, 18 years old. By the time I was 18 years old, I was tending bar four nights a week at two different places, right? I've seen much of it, all right? But the gambling, again, go to your DSM, go to your book, go to- in there. It's part of it. It's another thing, man. So, so you know, and you talk about we. I don't know. If we get into the legalization because you just brought up the marijuana thing, but at the end of the day, what always got me the funny thing was that alcohol is legal, while that particular substance, cannabis, is not legal, and alcohol causes so many problems. I'm not going to sit here and debate marijuana versus alcohol, but I will say this: I've seen the the tragedy that alcohol does to a life and a family. And and I, I would, if I could say, Tom, it is the most lethal drug in America year after year, 107,000 opioid poisonings, 152,000 in the same year, alcohol related fatalities. Yeah. Plus let us not escape the dialogue. Yeah. You know who the, you know who the most culpable institutions were in America over the last 15 years, when you pit public health against monetary gain, U S pharmaceutical companies. Oh who flooded our markets and conned, conned the medical community into thinking that oxycodone didn't have high addictive properties. And they knew this is why the settlements in the billions around the country, after 20 years of posting record profits, they strung the whole country out. We're gambling. We're learning it with the legalization and commercialization of marijuana. We've learned it with the liquor industry. So, and listen, we don't judge American society, but give us a chance and give us resources to help people that lose their way through these mental health diagnoses to find their way home. I mean, I, listen, I, I hate to take a break, but we do have to take a break. But I mean, listen, you this is what I talk about, everybody. I want to shine a light on people who are changing the world. That's what this is about. And Steve and his team are people who are changing the world. This is Philanthropy and Focus. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health. And each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune every Thursday at 5 p.m. on the Radio NYC, and I will be available for all of us. 
Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Welcome back to the show. I was wondering if I was going to sing today. Well, I have to find the quote because uh, here it is. Margaret Mead. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. So you know what? In a world where there's a tsunami of big pharma and, and big tobacco and big alcohol and big cannabis and this whole thing, in your communities, there are people that are here to support you and are here to give you that, that we, we talked about this, Steve, just the other day, but you know, when you're looking down at somebody, you should be looking down, you said to, to pull them up. Isn't that how you said that to me yesterday? Yeah, listen, but truly a judgment-free zone. Again, human beings, I mean, we're all trying to navigate our way through really challenging times. I'm sure every generation says that, but you know, the digital and technological revolution coming out of covid unprecedented state shutdown, economic challenges, wars in Europe, uh, inflation. I mean, there's a reason for all of us to feel some kind of anxiety. And if we don't know what healthy coping strategies are, meaning how to self-soothe without pills and powders and potions, um, drugs seem like a viable option. They've always been there. And now you're talking about a pharmaceutical grade that has infiltrated. You know, I'll be honest with you, Tom, and I think you and I know this. Um, We're not going to beat this on supply. Uh, when you have labs functioning in full view of making fentanyl analogs in China and Southeast Asia, being bought by cartels all over the country with JFK Airport and the southern border, and that's not a political statement. We can. Here's the answer. Americans consume 80 percent of the world's narcotics. We need to beat this on supply that this generation of young people need to have introduced to them healthier coping strategies so drugs don't become a viable option which is why LICAD is in 109 schools from Montauk to Elmont, which is why we do evidence-based prevention in these schools, which is why we're teaching students and parents and faculty on how to address this with healthy communication skills and coping strategies. And of course, for those who are drowning in the river of substance use, LICAD's job always has been to help them get out of the river, get them to detox as inpatients and outpatients, and begin with their family, with support, on the road to recovery, a, a path you know well, sir. Yeah, that, I do, and I appreciate you bringing it up. I, so let's talk more about, yeah, first, the, the peace in schools. Yeah, let's get to these folks when they're young. Let's talk to them. Not to because life is going to be Jake and Roses, as an old friend of mine used to say. It's not going to be all, you know, rainbows and sunny days. So there are going to be tough times. But what do? how do we empower these young people with alternatives and what they should be doing, you know? Whether it be meditation or some other form of mindfulness or different things like that. I certainly meditate. And I will know that. I tell you this. The days I do it, I feel better than the days I don't do it. And sometimes you got to just, and I, I you know, some of my coaches and therapists and people I spend time with, I sometimes just have to walk away from wherever I'm at, whatever that situation is. Sometimes it's standing at this desk. Sometimes it's in a meeting, whatever it is. 
I got to self-preserve. I got to get away and I got to just go chill out. Maybe it's a walk, maybe it's exercise, whatever it is for you. But Steve, that's when you, so let's talk about that. Let's talk a little more in depth if we could about the programs in the schools and then some of the other programs, like what is, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, the menu of services that somebody can get through and from LICAT. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a lot there. So in schools from kindergarten through 12th grade, we have contracts and, and agreements with 109 schools. Now, obviously, kindergarten through seventh grade, it's not the drug talk. No. It's teaching what sadness is, what happiness is, what fear is, and being able to communicate that. We're also fostering by junior high school. You know this, if, if I'm not saying you per se, but, you know, if you talk about 12 steps or you talk about the Constitution of the United States, the first word of the first step of the preamble of the Constitution is we. I think in the age of social media, it's all about the selfie. It's about I, me, and my. What we've lost is the ability to think of us, we, and them. If you want to build self-esteem, you do esteemable acts. Uh, you and I, this is, we're not pushing religion here, just spirituality. There's an old Buddhist proverb that says, want to be miserable? Think of yourself. Want to be happy? Think of others. And the truth is, is that if I focus only on what happens from the neck up in between my ears every morning, noon, and night, I'm going to be consumed with I, me, and my. All those diagnoses from general anxiety disorder to depression, there's an anecdote. For a guy who's depressed and can't stand himself, I'm all I think about. Yeah. Now you think of social media. What's the most popular photo to take? The self. It's not about the self, and we have to take care of ourselves, yes, but if you really want to get close to wellness, you have to have genuine empathy and compassion and the ability to think of others. Now, I'm not going to get into recent uh, tragedies in America, but the truth is uh, Yale and Harvard and Stanford and John Hopkins need half a trillion dollars to study why we are producing homicidal maniacs in the last 20 years, people that avoid... Now, we, we can't say mental health. I've been working with people with severe and persistent mental health for 30 years. People with severe mental illness, schizophrenia, schizoaffective, psychotic disorders are usually very docile and passive. What we're producing in America is people who are walking into schools or workplaces who are completely void of empathy and compassion. That is its own disorder. I'm not giving a pass to people who commit homicide. Right. I'm just saying... Substance use disorder is all about selfishness, self-centeredness, self-consumption. I want to feel better. And of course, we don't have concern on how substance or alcohol plays out on the family, on the boyfriend, on the girlfriend, on the kids, on the wife, on the spouse, on the partner, on our community. Most people wouldn't bow three tons of steel recklessly down a highway. But after six beers and three shots of Jameson, it sounds like a good idea. That is a form of selfishness that not only becomes dangerous to the self, but to the community at large. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. You you said there was a lot with what I said. You you had a lot with what you said there, too. I mean, that I find and not to go too into, you know, as you say, recent history, but I find this whole battle, which does become political around, you know, let's just call it out what it is. I have a very close friend of mine, Linda Beagle Shulman, her Scott, her son, her son, Scott, was murdered at the Parkland shooting. And, and then, you know, and yeah, I know. I love you, Linda. And we think about you all the time. And every time um, she's been on the show a couple of times already. And, you know, anytime one of these happen, tragically, one of the first thoughts is with my friend Linda. And, and I, I just, you know, it becomes this this battle, right? See where it's like, well, we got to take the guns away. No, no, it's not the guns. It's the people who have mental health issues. And, and, and to your point, like, 
we have to parse this stuff out. These, we're talking about individuals who make these acts, right? I talked about this last week on the show. It, it's about individuals who do something. And if we we must treat everybody as an individual, not you know, round them all up into one group of folks, right? Wouldn't you agree with that compared to what? I think, I think young people today don't feel you can have a thousand followers on your social media and no one to connect with. There's not enough support for young people. The only difference in America, listen, I'm old enough to remember a tragic day in 1999 where two misguided youth walk into their high school in Colorado and start summarily executing. That was a tragic day in American history. Now it's a daily event over the last 20. And listen, self-medication let's get back to substance use that's the question it's not what people use alcohol methamphetamine cocaine fentanyl heroin it's not what they use if you want to get to causes and conditions you have to look at etiology why are more americans trying to self-medicate with the most powerful narcotics on the face of the planet at a rate we've never before seen could it be we're not adequately dealing with stress not dealing with depression, not dealing with anxiety, not dealing with social media or the onset of digital. So us being in schools, these aren't like at inceptions. We use best in evidence-based prevention models from K through 12 that teach communication skills and coping strategies and shutting or powering down through meditation or mindfulness. We treat fostering support and in having trust in your peers and being able to rely and build a support network. All of these are not only the precepts of 12-step programs, but it's also, it's just good community. I mean, listen, I'm in Westbury. We have offices in Nassau and Suffolk. You know, 10 miles from here is Levittown, the first suburban community, the prototype, right? But this whole thing, the intentional community is a bunch of malarkey. You got to need one another. And I think we're tend to silo these days. Neighbors don't be bracked. There's not a bunch of community support. People are just trying to make their way through I, me, and my and we're missing the us, we, and them part. You know, I'm with you all the way. And I just, I, I, I talked about the gambling, and that's a thing that I think is going to cause a lot of problem. The Just the sheer fact that I can watch a game with my kid, let's go Mets, I'm watching the game, and my kid who's 12 will say to me, you know, uh, oh, look, you can, if you go to DraftKings, you can get $500. And I know the way down the gambling. I've been, you know, I was 18 years old at OTB and I was a bartender. I told you, Steve, I don't need to impress anybody. I've, I've been down these roads, right? So I understand that's going to be a major problem for us. But these that you keep pointing out, these phones, that's going to be a tragedy. It is a tragedy because there's no, and I, I'm raising four children, my wife and I, so I know what this is like. And I'm scared as hell, I got to be honest with you. And I want to plug into the programming you're talking about in the schools and the things, giving these young people alternatives. Because I will tell you, having somebody who 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 is uh you know, as we discussed, who, who's no longer a drinker in recovery. Um, sometimes it's difficult to find the things to take. Life can be very sharp, everybody. I know it. It is sharp. We got, And sometimes the drug or the alcohol can kind of curve the edges. There's better ways to curve the edges than, than that sort of stuff. We understand you're looking to feel better. That's why we do these things is because we just want to feel better. Well, I know we're good. I know we have to take a break, but I, I, you know, listen, the the epidemiology of all public health crisis is the same from COVID to HIV to substance use. You have to do education on prevention on the front end for those not yet infected or affected, right? Then for those who are afflicted with the illness at hand, in this case, we're talking about substance use disorder, they need to have immediate and to access to quality treatment on demand, all right? And then after you need to support people so that they can remain in remission. 
Tom, you and I are friends. If I told you I had cancer, yeah. you would take me to the Upper East Side. I'd walk into Sloan Kettering. Sloan. I would be greeted by a team of professionals. My insurance would cover me for years, and I'd be tracked. And if there was a remission or a relapse to active cancer, I would be reengaged to ensure the preservation of my life and treatments. Right. That is not how we treat substance use disorders. We fight the insurance companies for adequate stays. We fight them for co-pays and for reimbursement. And we say, we'll send you to rehab once. But once you go to rehab, never bother this insurance company again if you ever show a symptom again. Yeah. That is not how diseases work. No. People don't get sick overnight and they don't get better overnight. People get sick over time and people get better over time. Right. With so, support. Yeah. So again, with support, you get better over time. Not with, hey, that was a 30-day program. Right. Come on. Walk it off, kid. That's not how it works. That is not. When we come back, we're going to do the last segment of the show. When we come back, Steve, I told you, this is how quick the show is going to go. We're going to run out of time before we run out of words. I always say it. We're keeping up. I want to hear about upcoming events, how we could support the organization, how we can get involved, right? Amen. Thank you. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So come through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Are back every Friday morning. You know the show philanthropy and focus. You know it's your boy, the nonprofit sector connector. We're coming back. I'm sharing Steve. I'm sharing the website licad.org. L-I-C-A-D-D. dot O-R-G. So much here. There's uh, you have a big event coming up. I saw it. Where did it go? Let's go back to that. The 36th annual Angel Ball, June 22nd, 2023, out at Ohika Castle. I know it well. So let's get let's jump right in. Tell me about how we can help. Tell me about what's coming up, you know, the edu- whether it be educational, the webinars people should plug into, and then obviously the fundraising. We talked a bit about philanthropy a little while ago. Well, I think most important is, and when we talk about us, we and them, is just getting involved. So if it's not our not-for-profit, 
you know, listen, this not-for-profit for 67 years has not just been staff or executive directors. It has been a conglomerate of men and women, many who stem from the self-help community, who have received help freely and now want to freely give it away, not just with their monetary resources. They come and they volunteer. These offices are vibrant with people who are just um, volunteering their time and energy. We have great connections with Nassau and Suffolk County Courts. There are people who you would never know but are doing community service here who complete their community service and want to stay involved. You know, there's an old not-for-profit joke that says, what's the greatest nation in the world? Donation. Donate your time. Be involved. And again, you want to be consumed with self? Go ahead and stay home and think of yourself. There are many not-for-profits that you feature on your show, Tom. It doesn't have to be ours. But, you know, if you have some understanding of this disease, and the 12th step in that self-12 step says, haven't had a spiritual awakening. My primary purpose is to go out and help others. I've modified it a little, but the truth is we come in asking for help. And on the way out, we have to freely give away what was given to us. So Lycad raises most of its money privately so we can continue to be supple and address the addictive climate of our times, unfettered by government regulations or restrictions. Let me say this. We have great partners in county, state, and federal government. That's new for us in the last 10 or 15 years because everyone's on board and this national public health crisis needs to be addressed from a multi-pronged approach. But we continue to raise most of our money privately. Yes, Ohika Castle. Shout out to our friend Gary Milius, who's a great supporter. Uh, listen, the Lycatters have taken over the castle. You know, he allows us a night to raise money. Uh, we have two great golf outings that are coming up. Listen, this is no Shabalama Digdon. We're at Maidstone in, in East Hampton, yeah. very coveted course. And, and this year in August, we're at Glen Oaks, Maidstone's in June. So, by the way, the RBS tournament we do in August, this is our 43rd year. So we're the agency that built the golf outing Love because it. there's lots of ways to support the agency and be at really beautiful clubs and venues and enjoy yourself in the process. Yeah, it's um, a night out. It's a night out. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Go, no. to, go to a party. Bring your uh, bring your checkbook. Bring your credit card. I don't even know if anybody has a checkbook. Bring your credit card. But I, I'm on, I'm on the website too. I see other things like uh, this is the stuff that I that is I say exciting and interesting to me. And I want to plug into a lot of what you're doing, Steve. So I'm um, shout out to Chris Kelly who uh, who's over at the EAC Network for making this connection. I said, Chris, you you know I noticed that you're connected to Steve Chasman over at Lycat. He goes, Tommy, I got you, and he connected us. But listen, like some of the things I want to plug into the risks of underage drinking and vaping. Uh, Tuesday, April 19, 2023. That's actually out. That's not a Zoom. That's at the Lindbrook Public Library. And then uh, you talk about the fentanyl poisoning of our island on April 25th at 7 p.m. Listen, gang. Now, Tommy, we're doing that public forum. That's our third inception. We're partnering with the Drug Enforcement, the DEA. Uh, we're partnering with the U.S. Attorney. We're hosted by Supervisor Jen DeSena from North Hempstead. And we're going to be doing a bunch of forums. We are going town to town. Letting people know about this fentanyl poisoning crisis. When we have partnered with our federal and local governments. Yeah. Sorry. I just want, no, I'm inviting you right now on behalf of the North Shore of Long Island, the North Shore School District. I have no authority to do what I'm about to do, but I want you up here. If I got to pay for it in my neighborhood, you're going to do this because I have four children and I'm bringing through this school system. And I'll tell you, I have a friend of mine, you know, I, there's an organization, the North Shore CASA up here, the Coalition Against... We work very closely with them and sit yeah. on that board, Tom. Good. So we're, uh, we're proud to say we're in the North Shore School District. Good. It's one of those 109 schools we have a great relationship with. Good. So we're very proud to be part of that. All right, good. Well, I want to be part of what you're doing up here, certainly, but I want to be part of what you're doing on the island in general. I want to be, look, here's the thing, gang. I've had bosses and managers over the years that would say things, and I try to bring this to my kids, like, 
you know, don't come to me with a problem unless you're going to bring some different ideas and different solutions. Well, we have solutions. It's education. And then when it's when somebody already is experiencing a substance use disorder, well, then it's support that we can bring them and get them on the road to recovery that they need. So it's education up front. It's support when support is necessary. And that's what this organization is doing. Tom, so, let me also stress this. And this is for if you go on our website or you go on any of our social media platforms, this is, I think, no small task, but, you know, for the last 15 years, you could reach a LICAD clinician 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. That This is not a service. If you call it for the morning on a Sunday or on a Tuesday, one of us picks up. We don't pay someone else to pick up. One of us picks up, and it's not a new service. Yeah. We've been the 24-hour line for Nasser and Suffolk for the last 12, 13 years. So we know that substance use, alcohol-related problems happen after 5 p.m. They happen on Saturday nights. They happen on Sunday mornings. You can reach one of us 24 hours a day. And more importantly, the best way to do service is if you know someone who's struggling, reach out to them. Ask them, would you like to get some help? Sometimes they won't come to us. We have to go to them. So I, I just, I, it's, you know, not funny, ha-ha, but funny, like when I was calling, trying to meet you and track you down, um, I got to the hotline, in fact, because I called, I think it was like kind of early in the day, but if they call the office, that's the same number, right? Can I shout Correct. out? So 516-747-2606. Correct. So if you're having some challenges, you're having some problems, 516-747-2606. Tommy, and- there's also an office in Suffolk County with a Suffolk number, but it's all the same. No matter what number you call, you get one of us 24 hours a day. By the way, we have late nights, so you can see us in person or virtually. Really important. So um, you and I are old enough to remember when we only had one area code here on Long Island. But there's also 631-979-1700, If you uh, if you like to call the Suffolk number as well. But look, that's that's critically important to have somebody that's there to to talk to you and to answer the questions and show because that's what we talk about support second ever episode of philanthropy and focus january of 2021 my friend dr larry grubler who runs transitional services for new york they serve 4,000 individuals with mental health issues mental health challenges i feel like i get to use the words the way i want to mental health challenges those are the folks they serve larry grubler said you know what tommy d because he calls me that because that's my name. He goes, you know what, Tommy D? He goes, we all need support at different times. And Steve Chasman has told us that today. We all need support. It's community. It's knock on your neighbor's door and see how they're doing. I love Entenmann's Cake. It's <laughs> it's what I do. It's how I got over uh, my alcohol, to be honest with you. I eat a lot of cookies and cake, gang. But I love Entenmann's Cake. Buy an Entenmann's Cake and... Well, buy two, leave one at home for yourself, but then buy one and knock on your neighbor's door and share a cake, make a friend, support each other. That's why we're on this planet. If you're here for 50 years or 150 years, make an impact, treat somebody else good, look out for people. Steve, what else you want to leave people with before we go out of here? Just that, hey, listen, you know, uh, for 67 years, it's really been men and women who have pushed this mission down the field. What not-for-profit means to us is um, we are not monetary driven. We are mission driven. I wouldn't say this 20 years ago, and I hope not to say this five years ago, but this disease, substance use disorder, opioid use, marijuana use, cocaine use, alcohol use, our disease is front and center in the forefront of public health in America right now. Our disease is front and center. Everyone that works here is working tirelessly for the residents and the families of Long Island. Please get involved. There's lots of ways to get involved. You want to throw a barbecue, Memorial Day's coming this summer as a third-party event? 
um, hand out our phone number, raise some money, do a run, do a swim, do a bike ride. We're happy to help you coordinate this, but get involved. If not this cause, get involved in a cause because we need your help right now. Rising tide lifts all boats, right? You hear my guy saying twice, maybe three times. If it's not us, get involved. I swear I didn't tell him to say that, but it's something I say all the freaking time. I tell you, look, you don't got to do 60 days of service like I'm out there doing. You don't have to go out and paint, you know, the, the basement with my sons at the waterfront center or hand out Italian ices at the best buddy friendship work. Shout out to my dad, Ralph's Ices Huntington. Dad, I love you. I promise I'm not going to. Love that place, Tom. That. I'm going to hook you up, Steve. We're going to do something. We'll do something. I'm a North Park guy. I know it well. You know it well. I, Dad, I promise I'm not going to put you out of business, but I appreciate the donations. <laughs> it's about this. It's about time, treasure, and talent. You might not be able to write the big checks, but maybe you have some friends who can. You might not be able to do anything about checks, but I'm sure you can shovel the path in front of a group home or get out and hand out flyers to educate people about what Steve's talking about, right? That's what it's about. Or maybe you're an electrician and maybe somebody needs their lights turned on. Maybe you can help with that. All these different things are ways you can make an impact. I appreciate Chris Kelly for making this introduction. As I said, if it wasn't for Chris hooking me up, I don't ever meet Steve Chasman. Now I do. And I hope we're going to be friends, Steve. We got, we both got great hair. We should be friends. It's incredible. I've met you. I'm more fired up than I was at the beginning of this show. I just don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I might have to go run around the block a couple of times. <laughs> Your organization is LICAD, L-I-C-A-D-D.org. And again, if you are in a need for support and you're having some challenges, 516-747-2606. Your boy, Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector. Make it a great day. I'll see you soon. Bye.